Welcome to the Six Cells podcast. This is Mike Nicholson from Six Cells. Um, today, we're going to be having another conversation around attention and more specifically measuring consumer attention to advertising. Uh, we've had a number of conversations over um, the last few months with um, lots of really interesting people. And I've managed to um, come up with a list of five areas that so far I've been able to identify as being important as it relates to planning attention. Um, very quickly, those areas are context. Now, that could be the context of the content that the advertising is appearing within or the context of the consumer. Are they multitasking or are they receptive? Uh, the placement, is it in the eyeline of the consumer or is it off to the side? Uh, viewability, which is fairly obvious, uh, the opportunity to see it has to be there. Uh, the creative quality seems to be quite um, important from the conversations I've had. Is it impactful? Is it eye-catching? Um, and then the content quality, does the, co the, co um, the content itself hold the user's interest? Now, working at six cells, um, obviously having a list with five is not good enough. So I'm hoping today that I'm going to be able to find a sixth to add to that list and certainly not a seventh, um, but I need a sixth. Otherwise, it, it, it feels like a little bit out of kilter. So I am um, delighted today to welcome three people who are going to talk about some brand new research into consumer attention. That's uh, Karen Nelson-Field from Amplified Intelligence, Lisa Cowie from Twitter, and JP Edwards from OMD. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. I want to kick off with you, Karen, if I may. Um, how much attention is enough attention? Because um, I've seen a lot of um, eye tracking studies and people talk about this got one second of attention versus this got four seconds and this got half a second. I'm not sure. What's the smallest amount of time that's enough attention in, in a certain situation? And I appreciate it will be different from um, you know, case to case. But when we're talking about this as we go on, I think it's a good, good place to start is what, what is a good amount of attention? Yeah, look, that's a big question to start with. <laughs> um, but, you know, interesting you talk about, you know, it depends on the case. That's really the truth. It does depend. But what we do know, and we've done a lot of work around memory retention, is that sort of two and a half seconds is where the difference between sort of performance marketing and, you know, brand building sort of begins and ends. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a big advocate for more attention is better, but attention does have an impact below the two and a half second mark. And it's obvious even in this work, um, but it just has different outcomes. So, you know, if, if you're sort of thinking about brand building, you might have a different amount versus, um, you know, refreshing, particularly for larger brands and things like that. Okay, so if it's a brand that people have like um, strong memory structures for already, then maybe a lower um, benchmark of attention would be enough to um, to sort of uh, refresh that memory structure. Whereas if it's a new brand, you might need a little bit more in order to start building those memory structures. Is that um, my claim? Yeah, I mean, our remit is to understand all of that before we release actual data that says it or, you know, comments that sort of define it. But without a doubt, we can already see that um, big brands and small brands require different, different amounts of attention. But again, it depends on the campaign objective as well. So, you know, without putting numbers on it, and this is kind of where we're headed this year, we're calling it attention version two, which sort of defines those nuances in, in more depth. Um, you're 100% right. Okay, cool. And just um, just staying with you for a second, Karen, um, are you working, so, so there's, there's proving that attention took place in the first place, and then there's trying to figure out how that attention translated to business results. Are you, are you um, working towards the latter there, trying to figure out how a certain amount of attention leads to brand uplift, um, uh, recall, and maybe even sales? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, we're not a big believer in recall for the fact that, you know, it's hard to have your brand, you know, really penetrate memory structures permanently um, in that sort of sense. But um, without a doubt, we've been trying to, I mean, when I, when I sort of started to get into this business, I wanted to validate two things. A, whether it was valuable in terms of outcomes. So we've done a lot around short-term and long-term, so brand uplift and mental availability, which is super important to brand growth. But then the second piece is whether it's a valuable metric that's different from what we've had in market anyway. So the short answer is absolutely. We've done a lot around that space and moving towards performance um, in flight as we speak. So, look, it's, it's a pretty exciting space for us all to be in. And, yeah, it's great to be in media right now. Absolutely. Very exciting. Um, so, JP, if I can come to you, please. Um, how, are your, um, how are your brands, it may be different from brand to brand, I'm not sure, but how are OMD and your brands thinking about attention um, as it relates to planning for it, measuring it and understanding its, um, its benefit? Yeah, so we've been focused on attention for, for some years now. And, and, and the fact is, is that attention isn't really a new concept. Uh, it's something that's been a consideration in media since since I started in, in the 1990s and, and, and way before. It's just that that attention was always somewhat subjective. It was always hard to measure. Uh, it's the reason why uh, right-hand pages in magazines are, are, are more prized than left-hand pages in magazines, because we tend to look at those things a little more, or why first oh, and broken TV, exactly. wow. yeah. uh, very old school, <laughs> or why TV ads... Um, uh, you know, the first in break is, 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 is more valued than, than something mid, middle of break. What we've seen over the last few years is that attention has uh, become a far more uh, rare commodity because there's been a massive oversupply of content. Um, and also we've seen attention paid rising. So we've seen certain kind of forms being ever more immersive and really highly attentive. And then you know, there's a whole load of stuff, which is, um, you know, at one level, inattentive or unviewable or even to the extreme of being, of being fraudulent. Uh, and, and actually not served, not served at all. No, the industry has been focused on issues of ad fraud and viewability for, for the last few years, which takes us some way and it's definitely uh, a necessary sort of steps, but also uh, understanding that attention is actually the, the piece that we really need. That's where the consumer is involved. And a big part of our kind of planning philosophy is, is based around empathy and understanding of people and their motivations and their context and their situation and how they engage with messages, engage with brands and, and different situations they're in. And then, yeah, the, the um, new technologies uh, delivered by the, the attention management community through, through companies such as Amplified Intelligence have really pushed that forward hugely uh, in, in the last few years. And so we can now start to kind of measure that in a far more empirical way, get granular about the, those kind of results. And then we can then start to define actually how we can, how that impacts the kind of decisions that we're making. Uh, and the studies we've done with, with people like Twitter uh, is really kind of building up that evidence base to um, make our uh, sort of attention-based planning a lot more sophisticated. Okay. Um, this is a question, a kind of an open question to the floor, I guess. Um, and, and I've asked it before, and, and it's quite interesting. Me, I, I, I kind of, um, I'm kind of a, from a publisher background, I guess. And so I've been a publisher or worked with publishers for many years in my in my career. So I'm I'm always fighting the corner of the publisher. Um, I would say that if we are um, we are talking about you know fairness here, and um, if if a publisher makes an ad format viewable uh, and and within the eye line of the consumer, but people don't look at it. How much is that to do with the publisher and how much is that to do with the creative? Um, and do we need to have um, a conversation where um, 
you know, okay, let me take a step back. So let's say we were talking about the Telegraph, just because that's uh, one of my old employers, um, and that we had an in-read MPU. So you're going down a, an article, and there's an in-read MPU, um, but attention studies found that people didn't look at it. Now, where does the brand and the creative start to take responsibility for the fact that that wasn't looked at? Uh, and where does the publisher, um, you know, where does the publisher's um, responsibility start and end, uh, in, in your view? Who wants to take that one? I can help. <laughs> I, 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 I can make a start. So um, I think there's, there's a fair amount of evidence that um, said viewability, it's not saying that viewability is, is worth it at all. We're definitely not, not saying that. It is a necessary part of the, of the, of the approach. But they said there's this chain of different um, filters, in a sense, going from saying, was it even served in the first place through to, is it viewable through to, is, is it attentive? If you just look at viewability, then you're going to optimise just to viewability. Um, and that doesn't answer all, all of the questions. So there can be certain things in terms of, yeah, the, the, the formats that are naturally kind of non-viewable and people never get there there's there's definitely less less value there but say so there are things which are viewable but just not as attentive and if we're we're not considering attention then then we're leaving value on the table for both the publisher and and the advertiser and so you know there's been a certain degree of if you say by over optimizing to just viewability you get you get more of these kind of formats that are maybe so these little video players that kind of appear on the screen and then go down into the bottom left hand corner it's there on the screen but everyone's learned to learn to ignore it. Uh, yeah. Whereas there are, conversely, there are actually things which actually are slightly less viewable, ads at the end of a, a long news story, for example, which may be sort of below the fold, uh, but actually the, those that do get to it, actually they do pay uh, an amount of attention to, to, to those placements. So That's really interesting, isn't it? Because I was thinking about that. Quite often people want to put the adverts middle or top of an article, but actually if the interest in the article is waning, that might be the perfect time to then try to get them to think about something else, right? If if you're in the middle of an article and you're gripped by it, you might skip by that advert because you you, you want to get to the next paragraph. Whereas if you're kind of losing interest in the article, that might be a, a key place to get it. Yeah, I think they, 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 there's lots of different examples there, and so it, it, it's we, we have numerous cases of advertisers where some of those those placements have proved to be very effective. Ultimately, I think it's not just that the placements individually could actually well be this, the association with the article, as we said all the way through. You know, it, it very much depends on the specific objectives you're trying to achieve. You know, are you trying to be associated with a new concept that you haven't been sitting before? And actually, you, know, you probably need lots of different things. Or actually, is it something that's far more response based and very contextually relevant and you know the offer is is, is inherent to the to the editorial content actually until it might click out and, and go to those kind of environments cool karen oh yeah look i mean you know i don't want to jump the gun about what we've learned in this particular piece of work but um it sort of adds to that story so um we we started to see some patterns um, which we're calling um, attention elasticity, and basically what it means is the range of attention seconds possible under the conditions of the platform or the format. So what that actually means is that formats by default are the principal drivers of how much attention a creative can achieve and then the the second piece to that is that the creative is responsible for sort of pushing it up to the top of these boundaries so I would argue probably that the responsibility lies more not probably I would argue there is more in the the way that the formats are built and generated um, um, because we can see it and it's predictable um, and then the creative piece plays a role for sort of sitting at the at the top end of of that boundary if you like so so I'm all in for um, platforms and you know Twitter are fantastic at it 
um, in being sort of responsible for the nature of the attention that they deliver. Um, and then, you know, obviously brand ambassadors and creatives need to, to fill in that from there. Fantastic. So the format will get a baseline of attention, whatever, even if it was a blank space. And then how you go from that, um, I don't know, 0.1 second yeah. up to two and a half seconds is based on the creative. 100%. So it's, it's both, right? But yeah, you know, if you don't have a good format to start with, it's hard for the creative to shine, basically. Sure. And Lisa, um, last but by no means least, the media owner, what do you what do you think? Well, I love the way that Karen describes it, actually, because it's, of course, both matters. But I think seeing it as the creative within the constraints of the platform is a good way of considering how they both work together. Um, so, you know, we, we saw with this study and the data shows that ads tend to perform in a relatively consistent way based on the platform because they're, you know, it's working within the, the way the platform operates. But actually, there's a pretty big difference between the best performing ad we tested and the worst in terms of the attention seconds they generated on the same platform. So obviously the creatives have an, a big impact there in driving, like Karen said, what would be the best performing and sort of operating at the top end of that elasticity versus the bottom end. And obviously that there's pretty um, kind of uh, sort of big and well-known principles now for how to create creative to work in the best way. Fantastic, and staying with you, Lisa. So. Um, there's been this piece of research done um, between OMD and um, Twitter and obviously um, conducted by Amplified Intelligence. Could you introduce that, please, for the audience in terms of the scope of the work, what you were trying to, um, uh, you know, to try and find out? Yeah, so at Twitter, I lead um, research partnerships. We work with media agencies or hold codes to kind of come together on thought leadership pieces or tactical research, which helps the industry and helps the agency better understand a topic like attention in this case or understand Twitter better. So we've been focusing on attention with OMD. We fully support this notion. I think at Twitter we've done a lot of work already in this space that to really understand how people use the platform and really we haven't called it attention but that's really what it kind of is measuring. Um, so we'd seen a lot of work happen around attention and I think often what was what was being done is sort of lumping social together because, you know, of course, if, you know, for studies also measuring TV or digital video or whatever it might be, social is kind of one component of that. Um, so we wanted to go a bit deeper on the social space and really start to understand how social platforms operate with attention, um, you know, very much this sort of short burst of, a, of attention in mind there. Um, and we wanted to start to pull apart a little bit. So not always assuming that they might operate in the same way. Of course, there's, there's definitely some principles that apply across all of them, but understanding a bit more about what makes Twitter different or Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, they're the four um, platforms we looked at. So that's what we, what we hope to get working with OMD and then commissioning AI to do this. Okay, and, and JP, from your side, um, I, I haven't seen the research, so apologies. Um, are you able to talk about the brands that were involved and, and why they wanted uh, to be a part of this? Or is it uh, anonymous? We're generally it, 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 in terms of the public forums, uh, relatively anonymous about, about the brands. Essentially, there, there, it, was, it, was, it was four brands in, in, in four different markets um, and, and, and a good representative sample across CPG, auto, entertainment, uh, other, others. So, you know, you get a sense of um, uh, how different kind of sectors, different kind of brands, utilising different 
creative techniques uh, are operating and, and, and that, that enables us to have these kind of various kind of benchmarks. So uh, just building up on, on what Lisa was saying, yeah, the, kind of the, the, the study came from a, a call we had probably about nine, 10 months ago um, on, on the topic of attention. So just realizing that we had a kind of confluence of uh, interest uh, with, with Twitter in terms of understanding uh, how attention works in these uh, feed-based social platforms where, where inherent to the proposition of those platforms, attention is delivered in small packets. They are a constant feed of new stuff. Uh, that, that, that's coming through in a, in a curated kind of way. It's, it's, there's always something new coming through. Uh, so it's a, it's a kind of a, a fast moving uh, uh, consumer platform in, in that sense. Um, and therefore, as you mentioned upfront, there hadn't really been much evidence of actually um, how attention works, what the attention benchmarks are, uh, that most, most of the, the work to date have been done in TV, uh, online video display, that, that, and, and, and some of the offline channels. So it's really key because ever more uh, of, of our day is spent in, in these kind of channels and therefore we do really understand how they work and how, how bands can, can best uh, leverage these platforms. And what's really interesting actually is not just that how these feedback platforms are different to the platforms we've measured previously, but actually how different they are for, from each other as well. Okay, so before we dig into that research um, in a little bit more detail, perhaps each of you could just give us your what you've taken from the research findings, what maybe the headlines were or the summary um, of that, and then we can maybe dig into the, the, the different areas a little bit more. So Lisa, what did you, what did you, what were your key takeouts on having seen the research? Um, what were your key takeouts um, from, from it? Um, I think a few things we found sort of corroborated what we, what we already knew and what we thought we knew, um, but it's, you know, having the data to back that up and really demonstrate that is, has been super valuable. Um, I think one for, for us is that short bursts of attention are, are very effective because they reflect the feed. And so if you see absolute numbers of attention seconds, and it might be two, three, four, five seconds, that might sound like such a low number, um, but actually in the context of feed channels, um, you know, this applies across all the ones we studied, you know, that, that very short burst of attention absolutely can lead to outcomes, and outcomes being mental availability. So a really strong metric that we measured to um, assess the sort of brand saliency or kind of long-term impact that ad exposures have on brands. Um, so I think I think that was a great thing to sort of demonstrate and to show that people need to reframe how they think about attention, number one, and then reframe how they think about it in social. And so you're not expecting the same level of attention you might get on TV because you don't need that in a social setting. Um, and I'll kind of let Karen talk a bit more about this because I think this is something that you guys found super interesting, but really the interplay between active and passive attention, I think is really important for what we found yeah. on um, which I think was sort of quite illuminating really for how people use Twitter and, and why it's a little bit different and why we saw the outcomes that we did. Yeah, that's that's a great point. That was actually going to be my favourite as well. So, you know, we've been working on the premise that active attention plays the greatest role in outcomes and we still do believe that, but we've never, we've never really sort of... We've never really gone into in huge depth the relationship or the interplay between both passive and active. And just for the listeners, active attention is when your eyes are looking directly at the ad um, versus passive attention when you're looking at the screen but not the ad. And we've we've sort of already, we've done plenty of regression on them independently, but this study was a classic example because um, 
you know, Twitter feed in terms of active attention was reasonably similar to all the other feeds, yet, you know, it had different outcomes in terms of mental availability, which we also tracked. So for me, it drove the question as to, okay, so we need to dig deeper into this, which drove us to sort of understanding what lies at the individual level and how individual clusters of, of humans are viewing both passively and actively and what that actually means for outcomes. So I guess for me, this piece of work was really exciting to move forward um, the knowledge around the need to move away from seconds alone and more into individual human behaviour, which we knew we were going to do. Um, we just, you know, if, if, you, if you're building a new category, a new metric, it's it's hard to go super deep and super complicated without confusing everyone. But this was a great opportunity for us to go, we've got the perfect test bed. It was four countries. It was, you know, 4,000 people, I don't know, 22,000 ads or something along those lines. And it was a really great opportunity for us to sort of really deep dive and do deeper regression on passive and active and how it plays a role. So on passive, just digging into that a little bit, then are we saying that people are still taking in the advert, even if they're not directly looking at it, it's kind of in the periphery of their vision and that's still having um, some sort of impact? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's not as strong as active attention in terms of traditional regression, um, but it definitely... Um, you know, it gives more of an opportunity for the ad to, to your point, sort of be taken in on a on a sort of periphery level, if you like. And, you know, if you think about big brands and if you think about how, you know, the big red can works, um, you know, you kind of know what it's for before you actually have to look at the ad directly. So we knew all of that. Um, but, you know, this was a really great opportunity with that sort of data to sort of really deep dive and particularly given you know, we didn't even have to control for it. All of the feeds were fairly similar in terms of the amount of active attention that they delivered. Okay. And JP, to you, uh, what, we, what was your key takeout from the, uh, the findings? Yeah, it kind of, kind of builds on, on, on points that, that Karen and Lisa are saying. The point that was really interesting for me was, was that how much um, uh, uh, the, the attention metrics and the relationship between the attention metrics and the kind of uh, the marketing outputs, the, the mental availability, the, the short-term advertising strength, those kind of things that they were measuring is actually explained by the, the human experience of, of each of those platforms uh, and actually how they then also quantify those things. So, um, you know, the fact is that the, 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 you look at, say, uh, a platform which is more swipe-based. And so that's actually, uh, you're, not, you're not constantly scrolling, you're looking at content, um, uh, you know, deciding whether you like it or not, and, and, and then moving on versus something like Twitter, where it's you know, this notion of a kind of a slow scroll because actually an awful lot of the platform is text-based. People are reading stuff, and it's the nature of the of, of the medium. It's 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 your sort of passion points. You know, we've all got our own different um, uh, people that, that that we follow there, and so people are generally scrolling quite slowly. Whereas some other social platforms, it's a it's a fast scroll because they're more they're more visual and just kind of you know it's 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 it's, it's deep and emotive, and, and you're just sort of scrolling through through quickly, and therefore. That a helps us to, to define how the uh, the benchmarks work differently on those different uh, platforms and how they translate into uh, the 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 mental availability uh, and stats outputs, and also then gives us a whole bunch of kind of um, best practice that are some which are are sort of universal work across all platforms, some which are more specific to each platform in terms of uh, how you can sort of say with it within those uh, elasticity bounds that Karen mentioned, uh, how you can sort of maximize your position there, how you can go from being the being average to being in the in the first or second decile of those kind of things, uh, you know, strong branding, uh, having people people in the ads, um, and, and and keeping it really simple and, and clear. Because say, uh, if you're designing for a thirty second experience, uh, you're not going to get that, uh, and then actually it can it can fall flat on its face. 
Yeah, and okay. if I can add to that, Mike, if that's okay, actually, one, one other thing, just sort of to add to what we've all said, is um, something I found fascinating, actually, and a really good way to think about attention is it's not like a linear, sort of easy and simple concept. You, you don't get someone scroll, watch a bit of the ad, keep going, watch the next thing, keep, that, it, it sort of doesn't work like that. And I found it really fascinating, this idea of switching and this sort of interplay between active and passive. So people's eyes just start around, you know, naturally with all media. And it's not this sort of simple, watch something, don't watch something um, kind of relationship. So I think that's a really important concept to think about for social in that as people are scrolling very quickly and they, they choose to stop, they choose to stop scrolling or stop swiping. In that moment, you still got you know, eyes darting around, switching in between active and, and passive. But when that attention is really fleeting, um, you know, as we sort of just kind of touched on, the, the passive piece can be really valuable because um, you know it sort of keeps the ad there for longer. It keeps that switching going for a bit longer. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean this passive thing could be massive, um, and 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 it's super interesting, right? I mean, if if I think about in stadium um, advertising, for example, I can't remember ever spending too much time actively looking at the sponsorship, but it's probably going in on some sort of subconscious passive level. Um, and, and, you know, there's this famous number of true or not that we're subjected to 10,000 ads a day. Um, I wonder how many of those we might not pay active attention to, but they're still working on some sort of subconscious passive level. As I say, that that's, that would be really interesting to understand, wouldn't it? Yeah. And look, I, I love that you said that Lisa, because, um, replicating or predicting attention is not simple. So the fact that you've kind of recognized that it's, it's actually not linear and it's not simple is really true. And, you know, I often say, cause you know, it, it's not, you, you can't just go, we'll, we'll make an ad bigger and it works, you know, cause it just doesn't work like that. So there's not one single factor that's wholly responsible for the gaining of attention. And moreover, the weighting of these factors are not the same by each format. So it's actually really complicated. Um, so, you know, trying to sort of dig down into individual level data, which is what we did with Twitter, was, was a fantastic um, extension of our own knowledge to sort of go, how can we build up from there? And how can we make sure that attention can be applied, but we make sure that we, you know, capture all the nuance of that, that complexity. Yeah. yeah. And just sort of knowing all of this, then it totally leads into the creative question, right? So you, you sort of get the, the human experience of how these platforms are used. You know, something like, you know, we found that um, scroll speed is slightly slower on Twitter and JP alluded to this, it's slightly more text-based and we know that people scroll a bit slower there. Um, you know, that really starts to dictate how you should be thinking about creating the right ad, the ad itself in terms of video, but also then utilizing the real estate around that. Um, you know, and, and this sort of idea of active and passive is a good way to think about creative because you can't put something in, you know, at second two on a video, expecting everyone to see that they might miss that bit and come back at second three or come out at second four and come back at second five. So with that idea of switching, um, so sort of creating some consistent cues in the creative, you know, the video itself, the ad itself, um, allowing for you know that sort of interplay I think is a really important point to make you don't you don't kind of follow a story arc in the way you may have done in the past um and actually rather than seeing it as a creative limitation we like to think of it as a creative challenge you know it's a great a great way to think about how you use the the, the time and the attention that's there in these spaces even if that is just a few seconds 
So I've had this um, this idea for digital advertising for the longest time now, um, and it, it's it's summed up by say one. If we're thinking about the creative now, let's say one thing, say it simply, and say it often. Um, and this, I, I came up with this um, just common sense, I suppose, and before attention was even something that we could measure. Does that feel like in a in a in a Twitter environment like the right? kind of approach um, rather than try to have overcomplicated ads because you might have an, a, um, a certain amount of passive attention, you might have a certain amount of active attention, um, to have something that's uh, distinctive and consistent and frequently delivered. Does, does that feel like something, a learning that's come out of this or am, am I sort of barking up the wrong tree? No, I think you're barking up the right tree. I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think the more that you can think about Twitter and social generally as brand building platforms, the, the better. Um, one thing we talked about before is that often campaigns are sort of executed and then measured in isolation, but actually thinking about this idea of always on consistency, um, you know, to, to, to sort of help build brands on social is, is really an important point to, to think about. You don't need 30 seconds at every exposure. You just need a few seconds to keep reminding people and to keep refreshing memories and keeping that brand top of mind. And that's not to say that you can never have a really long ad in, in Twitter or in any social platform. There's some amazing examples where it has worked really well, like a Nike might drop a minute ad, but, you know, they're Nike and they can do that and they can generate that kind of buzz around that there's some great examples of brands that that can do that and have Matthew that power are pretty good at that like quite yeah, a like if, video that's funny so people watch for longer yes yeah if you've got that kind of cult following and you know there's there's a place for a campaign like that it, it can definitely work but i think on the whole reframing this, this sort of the social space as this sort of quick burst you know re frequent burst of attention um is the way to go can I add to that, Mike, if I may, as well? So I love the concept of say it simply and say it often, but I also say in the, the economy we're in, which is that attention is fleeting, say it early. So add say it early to your repertoire because, you know, to, to Lisa's point, you know, you know, you can get a few seconds of attention, but there is, you know, um, some that don't sort of, do that either because it's an average right so so I would sort of say for for people who are busy and choose not to watch um, ads for any longer than the typical you know you, they, they still play a role in your gaining of mental availability so the best thing you can do is say it simply say it often and say it early yeah I love that and, and if we think about video advertising as well there's 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 quite a lot of video advertising online which was clearly initially designed to be on tv and sometimes the brand doesn't come in till you know if it's a 30 second ad sometimes the brand isn't even mentioned or referred to for like until 20 seconds right so that say it early would be almost get your distinctive assets in from second point naught one uh, and keep 100%. them there and keep them coming back um yeah we call it reverse the reveal because in the old days um you know when you know sort of traditional tv did it exactly the same i'm probably same age as you um that's exactly, you know, it was a big reveal at the end because people were watching, you know, sort of with sort of concentrated and sustained attention. That's just not, to Lisa's point, people's eyes are jumping around. You know, you've got people talking to you, you've got other things going, you've got five different applications. So, you know, reverse the reveal. Sounds good. Right, we're, we're nearly out of time. So I'm going to ask you each, if, if I may, um, to, um, to tell me one thing that you learned from this research and what you plan to do with that new knowledge. I don't know who wants to go first. 
Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go jump in uh, to, to, to take something in there. So I was, I was, I was trying to think of your, your sixth word as well to, to add to the... Uh, <laughs> oh, to yeah, the, that's to, important. Yeah, we, we need to so, get to so, that. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, so actually, context, I'm, placement, viewability, creative quality and content quality. Yeah, so, so I, 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 my, the word I was going to throw in there was, would be experience. And so it just, it's, it's understanding the experience that, that uh, so it's going, which could be connected to, to the context, but where you may have, say, kind of the, the editorial context and the themes that are going on, it's actually the, the, the context of the, of the channel uh, and, 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 and building, building around that. So all the notions are out fast and slow scroll speeds and is it textual or visual or audio and those kind of things and the whole bunch of things we haven't spoken about related to the, the power of audio in, in, in these kind of messages as well, which is, which is also very, very, very important. So I think my, my main learning is that, that the, the needs to understand the, the human experience that, that's going on there and designing for that particular experience. Uh, and the fact that, yeah, that it's not just, we shouldn't be using TV ads and social, we should also then be making ads that are optimized for each of those social channels because they're all very large now they're all getting mass global reach uh, and, and in many many cases they, they can justify uh, uh, investment and resources to actually optimize for those messages and, and we do show is that the ones that do it well do it for a lot better than the ones that do it, do it badly okay karen did you i think you were going to jump in just before jp there yeah i mean for me i think i mean i knew this but this really reiterated it is the humans view very differently to what you know, metadata says. So, you know, for me, the shape of attention piece really popped out. We'd been working on it for a while, but this was a great um, test bed, I guess, for us to sort of test the concept that certain types of viewing, and it's not just quantified by seconds, um, and it's complicated, but certain types of viewing or shapes of attention um, are more related to outcomes or than others. And we can actually start to define, you know, in there are campaign objectives, which types of shapes are best um, uh, targeted. Okay, and Lisa? I think from the media owner side, um, this just helps us be better with our clients to really bring something rigorous their way to help them better understand and plan for Twitter, whether that be creative best practices or um, sort of better understanding the experience, as JP mentioned, of the platform. If people don't use Twitter and not everybody does, then it, it, it's sort of hard to understand um, understand that. But I think something like this, this, this study and this data really helps people get what, what the platform is all about and how they can think about it as a media channel um, and like I said, how that sort of um, can be optimized for the attention that's there, whether that be from placement or um, or creative. Fantastic. Um, guys, thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting. Um, I'm going to, when, it, when it's live, I'm going to put this on LinkedIn. Um, would it be okay if I tagged you in that? And, and if anyone has any follow-up questions that they'd like to ask, they can ask in the comments and we can uh, keep a track of that. Is that okay with everyone? Certainly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Amazing. Thank you for your time. That was really, really interesting. Um, you did thank great. You very much. Thank you. Yes. Take care. Thanks a lot.